Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes. And I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. But it wasn't a healing of a, of a physical need in her life. It was a healing of finances. It was a healing of, of her situation. And God met that situation for her. That was the voice of this week's guest. He's a missionary to Guatemala, he's trained missionaries, and he's sent missionaries all over the world. Hang on for the ride. This is going to be a good one. This is the Engaging Missions Show, episode 225 with Kirk Deviney. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Thanks so much for stopping by, and welcome to the show. We want to provide a way for thousands of people to hear a message, make connections, and take action. The Engaging Missions Show is made possible, at least in part, by generous support from people like you. Visit engagingmissions.com patron to learn more about how you can be involved. This week, we're going to be talking about healing, miracles, God's call, and a whole lot more than just that. We're going to also have for you a podcast recommendation brought to you by missionalaudio.com. And before we start talking to our guest, I'd like to welcome Clay, D. William, Linda Sue, and Matthew, who all recently liked the Engaging Missions Facebook page. If you'd like to join us, you can visit facebook.com slash engagingmissions. Now, as we head into today's time, I'd like to encourage you to listen to our guest's passion after decades of ministry. He's been doing this a long time. He's seen a lot of God's faithfulness, but he's also seen his share of challenges, and he spent some time there, but God has continued to strengthen him and also provide that ongoing passion for what he's doing. I think you're going to be really encouraged by what God's been doing. All right, today I am just incredibly thankful to be sitting in front of Kirk Deveni. He's in my house studio that's all made over right now, and we're getting to talk face-to-face, which is a huge treat for me. Kirk has been a minister, a missionary for more than 20 years now, if I remember right, and I'm just super jazzed to hear about what he's, what he's had going on. So, Kirk, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, Brian. I'm, I'm blessed to be here and excited to talk about missions and what the Lord's doing in the world. It's it's totally my privilege. And I'm wondering, you know, as we're getting ready to start talking about this, we're going to talk about some of the things that you've seen on the field. Mm-hmm. But right now you're in, in the U.S. This isn't where you live. What's going on right now in your life? Well, I, I live in Guatemala. Okay. I've This is the ending of my 29th year in Guatemala as a missionary. Wow. And next year I'll start the 30th. Okay. I spent a year in Zimbabwe before that, two years in Zambia. Okay. At a Bible college there that I helped establish, and then the Lord called to Guatemala, and I didn't know where Guatemala even was on the map. I had to find an <laughs> atlas and find it. Okay. And I've been there now going on 30 years next year. And you're in the States right now for a couple of months. It's just a vacation, right? Yeah. Well, I wish it was, <laughs> but it's not. I will have covered about 15,000 miles by the time I get home in the middle of December of 2017. I will have been in about, I've been in 12 states 
and 15 churches ministering and sharing, ministering the word, but also sharing what God's doing on the foreign mission field and ministering the word to people that, that want to hear about what God's doing. Oh, that's that's great. And we're definitely going to hear about what God's doing. I'm wondering if we can kind of back up a little mm-hmm. bit, because we're talking about well over 30 years of yeah. ministry right now. I'm wondering if we can go back to that time when you started to feel the call of God on your life and, and what was going on in your life. Can you share that story with us? Well, I, I was 17 when I received a call to preach. I was okay. backpacking across Europe. I was long-haired, and I was just backpacking across Europe. I'd been saved a year, and so I got the call to preach when I was 17 in Germany, and then went away to Bible college, a little Bible college in southern Ohio called Circleville Bible College, Okay, and sitting in chapel one day, they were having a missionary service, and the Lord spoke to my heart, and mm. I didn't respond. Okay. The guy next to me, a lifelong friend, has been since then said, hey, they're talking to you. Mm. And I said, no, no, I'm going to be a pastor. <laughs> I'm not going to be one of them missionaries. Long story short, pastor for 10 years, and the call would not go away to the nations. Mm. And the Lord led me to Regents University in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where I got my master's in missiology and evangelistic strategies, and there went to Zimbabwe, where I taught at a Assembly of God. Bible College, and then went to Zambia, where I taught at a Christ for the Nations Bible College. Okay. So that was how the call came in my life. And so 10 years as a pastor, then off to get your master's in missiology, Mm -hmm. then on to the mission field, so to speak. So right into Zimbabwe. Yes. The the education, all of that pastoring, that prepared you perfectly. There were no surprises when you got there? No, there were surprises in, in Zimbabwe. I had never, well, I'd never been to Africa, of course. Okay. And Zimbabwe, I loved it. Okay. I fell in love with Africa. and But the Lord didn't keep us in Zimbabwe. The uh-huh. door opened for us to go to Zambia. Right. Well, for two years there in Zambia with Christ for the Nations, starting up their Bible college there, the I became very ill. Mm. I became came down with hepatitis and malaria at the same time. Okay. And I laid in bed for upwards to nine months. Okay. Unable to minister, unable to do anything. Turned as yellow as a banana <laughs> and lost over 60 pounds. And through that experience, God was speaking to me Mm. and ministering to me some very deep and profound things. And out of that came the call to Guatemala. Okay. And I really didn't want to go to a Latin country. Okay. I was raised in the inner city in Toledo, Ohio. My best friends (laughs) were, were, were Mexican migrant workers. Okay. And I had told the Lord, I'll go anywhere in the world, Lord, but don't send me to a Latin country. Wow. And so the Lord said, well, guess what? I'm sending you into a Latin country. Yeah. And and so the rest is history. So so you're following God. Yes. You're you're on this this mission. Yes. He, he sent you there. You know that you're there on purpose. Yes. And yet you're in a hospital bed or yes. in your bed somewhere, mm-hmm. unable to move, yellow as a banana is yes. what you're saying. What what do those conversations with God look like? Well, initially I asked the why question. God, uh-huh. why is this happening to me? Sure. And I did not get an answer. Oh. I mean, for months on end, I prayed, I believed his word, I spoke his word, I believed in healing, I did all the things you're supposed to do, and uh-huh. no results that I could see tangible. Mm. And the Lord finally spoke to me, and I learned out of that experience not to ask the why question. Mm-hmm. You know, when things happen in our lives, the why question is like a dog chasing its tail. What do you sure. do when you get it? No, I began to ask God the what question. What is it, Lord, you want to deposit in my life? Because obviously you're sovereign. You're allowing me to go through this. Mm -hmm. What is it you want to put into my life as I walk through this experience that you're taking me through? You're allowing me to go through it. What do you want to deposit in my life? And the Lord spoke to me and said, I want to deposit my calling profoundly in your life. Mm 
Okay. And and so that's where it happened. Can, can you say more about what that looked like when he deposited that? It came down to obedience. Okay. The door opened. I received a phone call from a brother by the name of Dr. Jerry Horner, who was okay. head of Regents University Biblical Theology Department, and he said, he called me in Africa. He said, mm. Brother Deveni, he said, I have someone I want you to go to minister in Guatemala. Mm. And I said, Dr. Horner, I'm sick. I can't barely get out of bed, da-da-da-da-da. He said, well, I'm just telling you what the Lord told me to call you. Mm. And the Lord spoke to me and said, obedience is better than sacrifice. I want you to obey this call. Wow. And I, so long story short, we packed up the family. I had a little one-year-old, two-year-old boy at that point. Mm -hmm. We moved back to Columbus, Ohio. And a week later, I had been asked to come to Guatemala to teach a thousand pastors on healing. <laughs> and I'm, 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 I'm literally, I laughed. I said, Lord, you got to be kidding. I am as yellow as a banana. I can barely walk. I've lost 60 pounds and they want me to come and do this healing conference. And the Lord said, go. Hmm. And so the, the brother that invited me, Josue Munoz of the Prince of Peace denomination in Guatemala, I, I confirmed I was coming and he said, okay. And they got me a hotel room. Hmm. And so when I landed that night at the airport, I proceeded to take a taxi to the hotel that they had told me about where my room was reserved. And I went up and I fell asleep on the bed at 11 o'clock at night. Mm. I got up the next morning and I went to take a shower and I just moved into the bathroom and I started to shower and I turned around, looked in the mirror and my skin complexion had returned to normal. I was no longer yellow. Wow. And God healed me that night laying on that bed because I'd obeyed him. And I began to have an appetite again. I began to eat. And I was able, and within two or three months, I was totally back to normal. My weight had returned. I gained 50, 60 pounds in three months. Just, it was powerful. Wow. And I've never left Guatemala since. That That is absolutely incredible. And I, I appreciate, you know, I, I really love hearing how God used the illness yes. to tell you something. And then as you began walking in obedience, then he... He really changed things. What are some of the other ways that you've found over the years that you've walked in obedience and God has really transformed stuff that you never thought would have been possible? As having been a pastor for 10 years, I had, I had prayed for people at the okay. altar. They'd come forward. You'd lead them to Christ, or if they needed prayer, you'd pray for them for healing. And you know, it might be a backache, a mm -hmm. headache, or something along that line. But I had never encountered what I encountered, for example, in Africa. Okay. The, the first person I prayed for in Africa, I was working with a uh, Reinhard Bonnke associate evangelist by the name of David Newberry. And for the first, I'd go out with him on weekends. Mm. And I wasn't a novice in the kingdom, but I was in what he was doing, crusades with 10,000 people in him under the tent. Uh. And I was his coat holder. Okay. I held his coat. I got him warm Coca-Colas, all that sort of stuff. Well, one night he said, Brother Devaney, I want you on the platform. Mm. with me, with my wife, Cheryl. And he says, if you'll sit on the platform, he says, and I have a guest, a guest coming and his name is Bob Bosworth. Well, Bob Bosworth's father wrote a very important book on healing called Christ the Healer. Okay. And so I'm sitting there and, and a woman comes running up the aisle in the midst of this tent crusade and she was demon possessed. Okay. I'd never seen this before. It was a new experience for me. Sure. I was like, wow. And David turned to this brother, Bob Bosworth, and said, would you go take care of that, please? <laughs> like, it was just like, this thing's annoying me. Take care of it. Uh -huh. So Bob went back, and I followed him out to the back. And by this time, this woman, a young girl, really, she's about 16, 17 years old, was rolling on the ground, like used to roll as a child down a hill, you know, mm -hmm. when you'd play. And there were a bunch of African pastors around here, and they were all screaming, you know, let go, come out, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I, and I watched Bob Bosworth 
as he ministered, okay, and he silenced them, and he said, he began to minister to this girl, and in a matter of about five, six, seven minutes, he had delivered her from this demon, hmm. and he found out what the cause, the root cause was it. Her, her father had been raping her since she was eight, hmm. nine years old. She had hatred in her heart. She hated him. She wanted him dead, and this had opened a door, but he brought deliverance to her. Wow. And that was my first encounter with supernatural power, like seeing that happen. Mm-hmm. Well, the very next night, the very next night, we were back in the crusade. I'm on the platform. Mm-hmm. And David says to me, he gives an altar call, and there's four or 500 people come to the altar. He says, Kirk, go down there and start praying. And I had prayed for people in the church as a pastor, but nothing like this. Mm-hmm. And so I go down, and I, and I begin to pray, and I come to a lady— and she's got the traditional wraparound African dress on. And, and I always ask this question. I always ask, even today, I still ask the question, what is it you want from the Lord? Sure. And she said, I want God to heal me. And I said, okay, what, what do you need healed? And she took her dress and opened it up. And she'd had a mastectomy. Oh. But it had been done by a butcher. Okay. It was terrible. It was just, just terrible. And it was filled with pus. It was an infection and the wound. It was disgusting. And I'm thinking, oh, my good golly, this is not, this isn't a headache. <laughs> right. And so I go to pray for her, and I prayed. I do not remember what I prayed, that first prayer. And I pray, and, and I, you know, a 30-second type prayer, and I get done, and I go to move down, and she grabs my arm. She says, no, pray again. Nothing happened. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to pray that I didn't already pray? Sure. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And that morning in my devotions, I had been reading the, the vision of the prophet of the Valley of Dry Bones. Okay. And the Lord said, pray the prayer, pray the vision. And so I prayed the vision. And I, and I said, Father, where there is no sinew, put sinew. Where there is no bone, put bone. Where there is no flesh, put flesh. And I prayed that prayer, and a two- or three-minute prayer like that. And, I, and she had taken my hand, and she had stuck it inside this open wound. Mm-hmm. And I was three fingers in, halfway Mm. up. It was terrible in my mind. Sure. But I prayed that prayer, and I got done and took off as fast as I could (laughs) (laughs) at that point. And I kept praying for people, and maybe five, ten minutes later, I hear a commotion on the platform, and I turn and I look up, and there this lady is with David Newberry. And she's open, she's screaming and dancing and just all sorts of stuff. God not only healed her, mm-hmm. but he had done a restoration. Wow. She had a new breast. And I'm like this. I'm just dumbfounded. I'm standing with my mouth open. I cannot believe what I am witnessing. Right. And that was my first time I ever prayed for someone where I was definitively saw a miracle take place. Wow. And it was, it overwhelmed me. If you were talking to somebody right now and they asked you something like, why, why don't we see this kind of thing in North America or in the U.S., mm-hmm. what, might, what might you share with them? I would share, number one, that, that, that there's a, a and I'm, I try not to be critical of my church in the United States or the body of Christ here. Sure. But there's not a hunger for those sorts of things to take place. We are, uh, let me give you an illustration, sure. if I may. Yeah. I belong to a church in Guatemala, okay? It's church of 250 people, mm. Okay. That's adults, teenagers, and, and children. Okay. 
right? Sunday morning service, 250. We have 70 young people in that church between the age of 13, 14, up to about 20. Those are okay. teenage years. In four years that I've been part of that local assembly, we've not had one and one mother. We've not had one young man get anyone get a girl pregnant. Mm. That's incredible. Yeah. Okay, so that's Sunday morning service, 250. Mm-hmm. On Monday nights, we have prayer meeting from 7 to 8.30 at night. Okay. No singing, no preaching. It's just come and pray. We have 250 people at the prayer meeting. Wednesday night service, 250 people there. They have a hunger for God that overwhelms you. Wow. That is what I see as the basic thing. They hunger for the presence of God. They want God to be manifested in their lives. Mm. And that's sometimes you hear people say, well, they have more faith or they don't have this. They don't have that. In Guatemala, where I live, uh, they have cell phones, they have television, they have cable. It's not that. Mm -hmm. They have put the kingdom at the center of their lives and they hunger for the presence of God and his manifestation. And I see that's what we lack in the United States. So that's that's my easiest answer for that. Sure. And if you were then talking to a group of people, we have a group of people listening right now. Some are are overseas. Some live here in the U.S. Some are called to full-time ministry. Some are called to minister in the marketplace. Sure. If you were to sit down with a group of people like that and just tell them, hey, do, do this. What what would you share? I would share prayer and fasting Okay, is paramount. Being in the Word, living in the Word, not just reading it casually, but really allowing the Word to, not, not you grasp the Word, but let the Word grasp you. Mm-hmm. Let it get hold of you to the point to where you, 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 you breathe the Word, you love the Word, there's there's this hunger that needs to be present. Mm. So I would say if you're part of a fellowship, find someone in that fellowship, two or three, four people, maybe five, I don't know, mm. that, that you can network with whereby you can say, you know, we are going to pray, we're going to fast, we're going to believe God until we see him manifest in signs and wonders in our midst. We've heard it on the mission field. We've heard it happens. Mm-hmm. We want it to happen here. Do you think it starts with the hunger or do you think it starts with a need that we can't meet? And so we, we become hungry for that because there's something that we're very clearly aware of that we don't have. Well, for Christians, I, I believe there is a, we very well can become very complacent. We know Christ, sure. we know we're on our way, where we're going and all of that. And, and at times we can, we can become self-sufficient. Hmm. Where God, we love you, we serve you, but we don't need this or this or this or this. Mm-hmm. And then when something happens, like for example, you're aware of uh, Brother Rodney Boyd, mm-hmm. when that miracle takes place in his life, right, and God heals him, uh, that came about by prayer and fasting and seeking His presence by a whole bunch of people praying and supporting him and standing with him and his wife through the incident that he went through. Right. There's a hunger. There was a need. Mm-hmm. And then there was a hunger to get that need met. So I would say the need is important, but there should be a hunger all the time that the needs are met on a consistent basis. One right after another, after another, it should not be a rare occurrence that we see his manifestation in signs and wonders and miracles in our midst. It should be a normal occurrence as it was in the book of Acts. Yeah. I, 
I like that. And I'll, I'll just be, I mean, just to be transparent, I mm-hmm. don't see a lot of healing in my life. So I'm listening very intently mm-hmm. to what you're saying, right? Because this matters to me too, mm-hmm. because I know people who are sick. Yes. And there are also people who are sick that I don't know. Mm-hmm. And just because I don't know them doesn't mean that it's not part of my job to help sure. hold them up in prayer. So no, that's right. I appreciate what you're sharing. Mm-hmm. As we as we think, like, I guess I should say, you are right now quite literally in the middle of writing the book on healing, right? Yes, so, I've, I have a book. It's been in the process. I'm working on it. It's called 30 Plus. Okay. It's a working title. It deals with the 30 plus years on the mission field and all the signs, wonders, and miracles that I have personally participated in Okay, that, that, ex, that exhibit God's power and his presence and what he's doing in the world. Mm-hmm. And not just in not just in 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 Guatemala. He's doing it all over the world, and so that's that's the book I'm working on right now. What I, what I'm hearing in my mind, for for what it's worth, is that if I look back at the book that you referenced earlier, mm-hmm. that might have been more of like a how to book. Mm-hmm. What I'm thinking of right here is Revelation talks about that they defeated the the serpent by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony that mm-hmm. they loved not li- their lives even to the death. Yes. this sounds like the word of their testimony. Is that an accurate es- es- estimation? That would be a very good accurate estimation of what this is. That okay. the, the testimony of people who have encountered the presence of God mm-hmm. and have believed Him no matter what the cost, and they're willing to say, this is what God did for me. Okay. And that's exciting. If, if you could take the book, once it's done, mm-hmm. and you could get it into one person's hands, just, just give it to one person, mm-hmm. what would you hope they would get out of it? I guess I would hope that they would get out of it that he is the God of the possibility now. Okay. Not just in the past. Not just what we read in the book of Acts, not just the things that I'm sharing in this book, but where you are at this very moment in time, God will meet you there and he will meet that need. Just hunger for his presence and he will meet the need. Wow. Yeah, I I love that. And I want to take a little bit more time to talk about some of the stories because Mm -hmm. I know the book's not written and I know that it's not going to be out for some time, but my Mm -hmm. hope is that there will be enough of an appetite for this that people will get it and be encouraged. Mm -hmm. And you had mentioned, so we've talked about a healing in Africa. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've talked about, and that started with your healing. We've also Mm -hmm. talked about the the lady with the the demon possession and also that restorative miracle, which is Mm -hmm. just incredible to me. Yes. What are a couple of other stories that you'd really like to highlight? Well, let me, let me share one that has nothing to do with the healing. Okay. And then I'll share two that have healing in them. Okay. The first one, they're just three short stories. One is, I, I, I call this the story of chicken woman. Okay. All right. I was preaching in a small mountain church in Guatemala, and I had preached out of Deuteronomy, okay. where the Lord speaks about that he will bless your cattle. He was speaking to Israel, I'll bless your cattle, I'll bless your animals. He speaks of all those things he's going to bless. And I gave an altar call, and this lady, and they're in a mountain village, all right? And there's like 60, 70 people in the church, and, and they're Mayan Indian. Okay. And she comes forward and she asks me a question. She says, are you, and of course, this is in an Indian dialect, which I don't speak. I speak Spanish, but uh, my translator listened to her in her Indian language and then said, she wants to know if, if, if you really believe this and will it work for her? And I said, well, sure, I believe it. And yes, God, does she love the Lord? Yes, she loves the Lord. Okay. She ran out of the church, just ran pell-mell out of the church. <laughs> and I just continued to minister to people and to altar and in about 20 minutes, she came back. She walked up the aisle of the church, and he, she had a chicken with her, mm. a scrawny chicken. And you've seen these running around people's barnyards before, maybe, where they have very few feathers left. Okay. And, and it, it, this, this was one sad-looking chicken. 
And she came forward and she says, this is my chicken. And I have six or eight just like this one. And I don't, they don't produce very few eggs. Mm -hmm. da, da, da. And she tells me the story. She says, would you pray for my chicken? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I've never prayed for an animal before. I've never prayed for a chicken, but yeah, I can pray for a chicken. So she held it and I laid my hands on that chicken. And I prayed this prayer. I said, Father, I ask you in Jesus' name that you would touch these animals for this woman of God. She is your daughter. She's the daughter of Abraham. She supports her family by selling eggs, and she needs your intervention right now. Let these chickens begin to grow, and let them begin to produce good eggs. Mm -hmm. Amen. Okay, that was it. I left. She went home that night. Six months later, I'm back in that same village, and I'm preaching in that church again. I give an altar call again, mm -hmm. and she wasn't in the service in the beginning. But when I gave the altar call, in she comes with a big woven basket. And I said to the pastor, I said, is that the same woman? He said, yes, it is. I said, what does she want? He says, I'll let you discover that yourself. <laughs> we all know already. Okay. And she comes up to the altar, and I said, how are you, sister? And we're using the translator. She says, I'm fine, da-da-da-da-da. She says, I want to tell you about my chickens. I said, what about your chickens? And she pulls back the, the, the cover she had over these chickens, this cloth, mm -hmm. and there was two or three of these chickens. They were beautiful, huge chickens. These hens were gorgeous. I said, what happened? She says, well, that night I went home after you prayed that prayer, mm -hmm. and I laid on my bed, and she said, my yard's about the size, and it's about the size of this little 10 by 10 room right here. Mm -hmm. And she says, there's no grass in it. It's just mud, dirt, dry dirt. And she said, I laid on my bed and I said, Lord, the missionary said that if I ask you and I believe, and I'm going to agree with him with this prayer, that you're going to send a miracle for my chickens. Amen. And she went to sleep. Hmm. About six o'clock the next morning, she said she awoke to the loudest clatter of noise of her chickens going crazy in the little yard she had. Hmm. She went running out to look and her yard had been swarmed with crickets. <laughs> Crickets. Okay. And her chickens were eating crickets like crazy. Okay. In her yard, and ever since in the last six months over that time period, crickets showed up in her yard every two to three days. Wow. And her chickens ate like crazy. She had the <laughs> biggest, fattest chickens in the town. She sold eggs and makes a good living. Biggest eggs in that little village. And so there's a God, there's a God out there who meets our need and gives yeah. provision. And, and, and chicken woman proved that to me. Wow. And, and that's what God does. Now, that's a miracle of, of provision. It wasn't a healing. It was for the chickens. Yeah. But it wasn't a healing of a, of a physical need in her life. It was a healing of finances. It was a healing of, of, of her situation. And God met that situation for her. Hmm. And so that's chicken woman. And I remember her vividly to this day. Okay. I'm thinking of a, a, of two miracles that took place that sure. I was blessed to participate in. I was holding a crusade in a Prince of Peace church in Poptun, Guatemala. Okay. And church sat probably three to 400 people, and we were packed every night. We did a seven-night healing crusade. Okay. I had two visiting U.S. pastors with me from Indianapolis, one from Indianapolis from, from Toledo, Pastor David Clayton from Indianapolis, Pastor Bill Meyer from Toledo, Ohio. And as we ministered, healing every night for these six, seven nights. 
every night I minister healing a different way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll have them come forward and just form a line and we anoint with oil and pray for them. Other okay. times I will have them stand where they're at in the congregation. I'll have the members around them lay hands on them and pray for them. Different methods for different ways of, of because the scripture speaks that there are, are gifts, plurality of healings. Sure. And so on this, every night this woman brought a little five-year-old, her five-year-old daughter with her to the healing service. Wow. And every night she brought her forward or was prayed for that little girl to be healed. And she had one leg that was about five inches shorter than the other. Okay. And she had a wooden shoe that had been built to try to level out her, her walking. Okay. And so she brought her every night and every night nothing happened. On the last night, the, the, the Sunday evening when we closed out the, the healing crusade, I did a healing line that night mm-hmm. where people come up on the platform and I interview them what the need is. And then we pray. She was the last person in the line. It was near midnight and she brought a little girl up and held her in her arms. And she said, I want you to pray again for my little girl. Mm-hmm. And I look at pastor Dave and pastor Bill. And I said, well, boys, what, you know, we're going to pray again. We've prayed for six nights in a row. We're going to believe God. Mm-hmm. And so pastor Dave held her in his arms, put his arms out, and she laid this little girl in her arms. Mm -hmm. And I laid my hands on the little girl's knees and began to pray and believe God. Pastor Bill was a good-sized man, over 320 pounds. He was standing off the side just watching and praying. And all of a sudden, I could feel it. Mm. You could feel something going on in her body. I hadn't felt it the other six nights, but that night I felt it. And that leg began to grow. And we stood there and we watched it grow. Pastor Meyer started to shout and scream and just went crazy. (laughs) And in a matter of four to five minutes, that little girl's leg grew another four inches. Wow. And was normal. And was normal. That's great. And we got testimony of that. We had written written testimony of that. Mm -hmm. And the two pastors from the U.S. can testify of that miracle. Wow. That's great. Before we go on to the last one, I'm just wondering, Mm -hmm. you, you mentioned six nights in a row. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering on that seventh night or after you've been waiting for an answer for a while and you haven't seen it night after night or month after month, does it become hard to keep, you know, do, does it become hard on your faith or how, how do you keep, keep coming back and going, okay, I know God can do this. He just hasn't done it yet. It, it can be, it can be difficult. Yeah. It really can. Like as I was, when I was sick months after month, I continued yeah. to pray and believe God with no visible evidence. Yeah. But the scripture speaks in Hebrews that faith is a substance. Oh, yeah. Okay. Of things that we haven't seen yet. It's the evidence that things that we're hoping, we're hoping for this. Right. We're standing for it. Well, in a court of law, if there's a trial, they have an evidence table. Okay. Amen. Mm-hmm. They have an evidence table. Yeah. And, they, and a lawyer will say, this is exhibit A. This is the evidence, and the evidence table is always filled with things that speak of an event that already happened. The scripture speaks of evidence before the event has happened. Our faith is the evidence God's looking for. And so the Lord looks and says, look at that evidence. That child, that man, that woman, they're believing me, and they haven't seen it yet. Wow. That's evidence. And God sees the evidence. He says, that faith is evidence. I'm now going to move. I'm now going to work. And so I've held on to that. That's my concept, mm. that that God is a God that wants to see our faith because that's the evidence he's looking for because we hope and we give him the evidence. And the hope is not a wishful thing. Right. It's a certainty. 
Wow. It's a certainty. That that evidence thing, the, the way you describe that, that's not a, a picture I've seen applied to faith before. I mm-hmm. I, I love that. That's It's going to take me a, bit, a minute to process that, mm-hmm. right? But I, I appreciate you doing that. I think you had one other story that you were going to share, and then we'll We'll kind of shift a little bit, and then we'll bring it to a close. Okay. I was teaching in a, in a village in Guatemala called La Tinta. Okay. Teaching pastors. I had a mobile Bible college, and I was out in this rural area and teaching 25, 30 pastors. And that particular day, I was teaching on, on the Passover in the Old Covenant in, in, in when Israel, the first Passover, and the Lord spoke to them and said, you know, apply the, the blood of the lamb over the doorpost, and, and when the angel of death passes, it will not touch you, it will not harm you, you'll be safe. And so I preached on, taught on that whole concept all day for seven, eight hours on, on what they did and how they did it and the lamb and all of that. And I got done, it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. I, I got done and, and as I was finishing up, a man come running into the church and he's speaking the local indigenous language. And I spoke, uh, my translator, uh, Pastor Ronnie, and I said, Ronnie, what, what's he saying? Oh, wow, he says, this man lives, and he, we went to the door of the little church, and we were in a valley, and there was a river in front of us, and on the other side was mountain range. Okay. He said, he's up there about four hours, his village. He ran all the way down. His little daughter, six years old, just died. Four or five hours ago, she died. And he heard you were in the village down here, and he wants you to come and pray for her to be resurrected. Mm. But Ronnie... And he, this man was insistent. Mm-hmm. So I grabbed Brother Ronnie. I grabbed this other, the pastor of the church and another brother from the church that was there. And I said, let's go. And we went with this brother back up to the village. He made it down in four hours. It took us five to get back up, <laughs> okay, to this mountain village. Sure. You know, a village with no electricity, no running water, you know, 30, 40 little houses and went into the room. And having, having been a pastor for 10 years, I had seen death. Mm-hmm. As a pastor, I'd stood at many deathbeds, and she was gone. Mm-hmm. She had been gone, and, and she was now eight, nine hours afterwards. Right. So, I mean, cold to the touch, I'm yeah, assuming. Yeah, cold and stiff, and she was gone. Right. And the mother and the aunts, they were weeping and crying. And I thought to myself, this is just like right out of a right out of the Bible situation. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And I'm, and I'm, I'm thinking, oh, Lord. I know you've done some miracles, but I've never, you, you've got. So I got ready to pray for her, and the Lord said, don't you do it. Let the pastor pray for her. Oh, that's good. And I, and I said, okay. I said, Pastor Delfino, you're to pray for her to be resurrected. He didn't, he didn't miss a lick. He didn't bat an eye. He laid hands on her, we all did, and he began to pray. And this is what he prayed. He said, Father, today we've heard the word that when the blood is applied of the spotless lamb, the death angel cannot enter in. He said, Brother Devaney taught us this today. So on the word, uh, your word, and on the teaching of Brother Devaney, we command this little girl to come back to life. In the name of Jesus, your word says this, and we believe it. And he began to speak this way over the next two or three minutes. And she came back to life, resurrected. Wow. And we have her picture. We have the written testimony of the parents. And she came back. Yeah. Nine hours approximately gone. And so, and I always tell people, I said, be careful as a man of God, woman of God, what you're teaching. Because people are going to believe it. Right. And it better be the word of God. 
and it better be something you believe in. Right. Because people are going to take it to heart. And he did. That's good. So, Kirk, I, I appreciate the, the time that you've taken so far. We're about to wrap this up. And I'm sure. just wondering, for, for those listening, how can we best pray for you? I am, I'm 64. Okay. But I have the, the strength of a young man still. Wow. I have no physical ailments. I'm on no medication. Everything's good in my, in my body. And I praise the Lord for that. Mm-hmm. I really do. Fifteen years ago, we began to plant churches in the mountains of Guatemala in unreached villages that you can't get to unless you ride a mule into them or walk into them, and my walking days are over. So I ride mules. And so we've built two churches in these mountain villages that heretofore had not heard the gospel. Okay. And these are unreached, 500 people in these villages. And I have five more on this mountain range among the Ashil Indians that we're going to try to reach with the gospel. Okay. So I need prayer that God would provide us with the physical stamina to go into these villages, preach the gospel, and build these mountain churches, and that he'll provide the funding to be able to do that and build these churches in these mountain villages, that they would hear the gospel and have mm-hmm. a, have an evangelical Bible-believing church in their midst and be able to receive the full counsel of God. Wow, that that's great. If, so, if somebody's listening to this right now and they're wanting to connect with you, maybe what you're talking about right now mm-hmm. spoke to their heart, is there a way for them to connect with you? They can. They can go on Facebook okay. and contact me, Kirk Deveni. Okay. They can contact and they can also go to our Facebook page for Nations on the Horizon, okay. the name of the ministry. Those would be the two easiest ways to connect with me that way. And in either one of those, then they would get my email address and they could communicate with me that way as well. Okay. Yeah. And we'll, we'll make sure to have that all linked up for people to, to, to visit. Sure. For those of you listening, I would like to encourage you as, as I typically do, take a minute, pause the recording and pray like Kirk asked, pray for that stamina, pray for the people to come alongside him and that the fruit that he's seeing would be fruit that lasts and continues to yes. multiply, not for his glory, but Amen. for the glory of the kingdom, Amen. For, for God's glory. Kirk, I just want to say thank you so much. This has been a true pleasure. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it immensely. And, and the Lord bless your ministry. Well, thank you. Wasn't what Kirk shared just absolutely amazing? I know I really enjoyed that conversation and I really hope that it, it spoke to you as well. I really hope that it was valuable for you. This week's podcast recommendation brought to you by missionalaudio.com is The Wounded Shepherd. And I'm just going to read for you the description. When a person's call to ministry is challenged by difficult situations or people, the shepherd becomes wounded and ineffective and the call to ministry is questioned. How do we find our way back? How do we put things into perspective? When all I want to do is run, how do I bring honor and glory back to God? That's the focus of The Wounded Shepherd. If you or somebody you know who is is in ministry and you've been wounded or they've been wounded, I'd recommend that you check out this podcast or recommend it to them so that they can connect with Kevin. Kevin is the host of the show. He's been on this show, and I believe that God can use him, and God is using his heart to, to speak to people who have been wounded. I'd recommend that you check that out. Visit missionalaudio.com to find a link for that or any number of other shows that might also be valuable for you. I'd like to say one last thank you to Kirk DeVinney for taking the time to be with us. He was actually out in the States itinerating, going to different churches and meeting with people, and he took time to stop by my place so he could talk to us, and I really appreciate that. It means a lot to me, and I'm really thankful that I was able to bring this to you. 
Thank you also for being here. I appreciate you being here as well. Show notes for this week's episode are available at engagingmissions.com slash Kirk DeVinney. Or if you're listening in your favorite podcast app, just tap that show art and maybe click a link and you can go straight to those show notes. That's where you'll find ways to connect with our guest as well as the links to the resources that we talked about, including missionalaudio.com and everything else that we talked about. We'll have all of that for you right there. We're going to be talking with a guest who is a church planter and who trains people in church planting. He's got some really interesting things going on, and I really think you're going to enjoy this one as well. Subscribe to the show by visiting engagingmissions.com slash subscribe so that you can always have it delivered to your favorite podcast app as soon as it's available. Thanks so much for being here. I appreciate that you were here. And also my thank you to to Jeff and to Gabby for the work that they do on this show. It, it means a lot to me and they bring a lot to the table so that we can bring you a great show. So Jeff and Gabby, thank you as well. I will see you, or I guess I won't see you, but we'll connect again in a couple of weeks. I really look forward to that again.